Live long and prosper. I'm going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. My whole Kermit the Frog here. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 164 of A Play on Nerds. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jarman. And I'm the other co-host, Steve. That's right. And we're, we're here, here to do this. Doing a show for you all. And our continuing honoring of the Avatar giant release, we... Avatar 2 is just sweeping the world. It is. And I have just not seen sweeping it. Sweeping the world. But uh, we're going to be watching another Avatar called The Last Airbender, the movie. That's right. M. Night Shyamala has a movie coming out, <laughs> Knock at the Cabin. Yes. And everyone is looking so forward to it. I just want to remind everyone <laughs> that he wrote, directed, and produced The Last Airbender. So all of you are looking forward to seeing Knock at the Cabin. I'm sure you all heard of it, and we reviewed the so trailer. We're talking about <laughs> two M. Night Shyamalan adventures oh, and yeah. honoring Avatar all in one thing. So amazing. If you haven't seen the movie, it's on HBO Max. You can watch it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and then burn it immediately after. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Darren, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Oh, well, uh, since last time was only a week ago for us, not for you listeners. But, I know, uh, man. I uh, went on a tour of the venue that I'm already having the wedding in with uh, this time with um, the parents. So my mom came and then okay. both of Jolie's parents came from out of town to come look around the, the venue with us and to check out some hotels we're looking at to put a, our blocks in for people to stay from out of town if they want to. And uh, the parents were not as excited about the venue at first because it's so sparse and huge in there when you walk in. It's like an old aircraft hangar. Um, but then we, we walked through with the guide and talked about what we could put in there and all things you can do. And they, they got more excited about it as we went along. So that was fun. And then I, uh, had the first rehearsal for a play I'm going to be in a uh, kind of a theater friend of ours, uh, was directing it and asked me if I want to be in it. And it's kind of like an Irish drama. So I have to have an Irish accent throughout. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> but, On uh, top of the modern interior. Lucky charms. Um, which is an accent I can do. Um, I'm going to kind of tone it down and do more of a Colin Farrell kind of Irish accent. And, uh, but it'll be fun. I'm going to play a dad who's lost his wife and he has a daughter and everything. It's kind of neat playing that kind of role because I've only, I've been too young to play the roles like that in the past. And it's my first foray playing like a dad when I'm not in high school. So that's very nice. <laughs> that's uh, right. And how old is the kid supposed to be? She's like 10, which is perfectly feasible. And you're 36. That's perfectly feasible. Exactly. You're, you're good. <laughs> she, and she's adorable. The girl in the cast, we did the read through tonight and she was just so cute. She had the Irish accent down too. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're so professional. Um, yeah. And other than that, I'm just updating all my profiles online and my uh, website. Cause I want to apply to agency soon to get agent representation. Um, because a random thing happened where one of the companies I'm working for, for YouTube, we have a small channel on our Slack program where we can see all the voice actors can talk to each other who work for the company. There's only like five or six of us. And one of them was a guy I'm already following on TikTok because he's a very popular TikTok creator and voice actor. And he's working in the same job as I am. And I'm like, and he has agency representation and has big time commercial jobs and stuff. And I'm like, 
I should be at that point now because I'm getting enough exposure where I think you're I could, established and whatnot. Yeah, and I make my whole career off of this, and so I should. It's about time to apply to agencies. So I should make sure everything's up to date, looking nice before agents, you know, look at my website and be like, "Oh, he's an amateur," because I'm not. So I should make it look like I'm not an amateur. So it's a lot of work, but I'm gonna get there and get things to the next level, basically. Because Stephen ran right. to my, one of my YouTube videos the other day. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. I just run into German all over the internet. Mm. Except for me, it's really surreal because I got two minutes into this video <laughs> before something in my brain clicked and went, wait, is that Jarman? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But, like, I'm so used to your voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just didn't, for whatever reason, it just didn't click. Well, I've been listening to your voice. I've been for your voice for 26 years now. Like nothing, just didn't it didn't spark. Well, I kind of like that because I put on a little bit of a different voice for that channel uh, called Your Body On. It's a uh, science fun YouTube channel, and it's a really excited voice and really over the top kind of not like a totally different voice. So I'm glad you didn't quite recognize it at first, and that took a little bit for you to figure out it was. <laughs> Wait <funny>. a minute, <laughs> that's so funny. Anyways, so yeah, what have you been up to since we talked? Uh, well, Anna had a minor procedure. It went well, Good. but she's still in recovery. Uh, and so for the first, like really the first three days, I was on both double kid duty and taking care of her. Oh, yeah. And I just I just ran ragged <laughs> for two and a half or three days. I slept out on the couch and in my chair so that the kids would leave her alone. And you could be on call, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, I was just like a barrier between her and the children. That's good. Um, and so I just, that was a long, long weekend to the point where I was like, finally, just so happy to get back to work. <laughs> I get it. Just so happy. Uh, we took, we tried to take Dilly. No, we we did. We took Dilly to his first movie. Oh, really? What movie? Uh, Puss in Boots. Beautiful. And that was one of the things I did with the kids to kind of fill the time while mom was recovering. Uh, he's not ready yet, but we learned that, and it was exciting. <laughs> just a little loud and couldn't contain himself. <laughs> he just he just didn't have the concentration to sit and watch the thing, and it got to the point where he was running around, and I was like, get back in your seat, get back in your seat, and I was like, we are right on the edge of like him refusing, me trying to put him in, and him freaking out. Like, yep. You're right. <laughs> so it's like, before we get to that spot, how about I just tell Joyce we need to go? Before we get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> so we left. Man, that's rough. Um, but otherwise, just work and, you yeah. know, the normal rub. <laughs> You're back to the normal, which is good. And I got Kinda. a fiance Anna's who's got probably, a... Yeah, it's probably about 80% recovered. So oh, that's good. We're getting there. Because I was just telling Steve before the broadcast that my fiance now has walking pneumonia and bronchitis. So we're we're taking care of these significant others as much as we can. <laughs> At least she's out there getting moving. It's walking. <laughs> yeah. She went to work today, unfortunately. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the way it goes. It depends on what kind of pneumonia it is. If it's bacterial and she's on antibiotics, I mean, she'll feel a hell of a lot better in just a day or two. Uh, they said it was viral something, but I don't know. Well, then she's got six weeks of just awful ahead of her. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> you can take it from a guy who had viral pneumonia. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Did not know that. Uh, yeah, New York. And they were, and the guy, the doctor told me the same thing. He's like, I'm going to give you these pills. If it's bacterial, we're going to know because in two days, you're going to feel like a different man. If it's viral, we're going to know because you're going to feel kind of bad for four weeks. Oh, <laughs> went, okay, thanks, doc. Cool. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> that's how that's how medicine works. 
<laughs> or figuring out as we go along, basically. Well, does that take us on to some nerdy news? Oh, yeah. It's time for Nerdy News. All right, this week with our nerdy news story, I always bring a cheeky title. And this week's title is Half-Baked Goat. (laughs) The University of Pretoria's Department of Veterinary Tropical Diseases and the Stellenbach University Department of Animal Sciences teamed up to look at what goats are eating. Well, most goats that end up uh, in, we'll say, retail markets uh, are fed a mix of grains and then soy cake. Hmm. And these scientists looked at, well, what could we substitute for soy cake? So what they try, they tried hemp seed cake, a byproduct from both the marijuana and hemp industries. And they divided a group of goats into five groups. One was the control that kept their normal diet. But the other four had increasing amounts of hemp seed cake added to their diet. At the end of their growth period, They were slaughtered, they were placed, they were, uh, the the meat was measured and tested and then placed under retail-like environment. Mm -hmm. So in coolers that like retail stores would have. And they tested on day one and day seven. And um, what they found is that the ones, the two categories that received the most hemp seed cake had far better shelf stability and they preserved higher levels of meat quality at seven days than Mm. goats that received less or just the soy cake. And this scientifically proves why Willie Nelson is so (laughs) well-preserved. But doesn't explain why Bill Maher is melting. (laughs) It's true. Uh, So, yeah, that is some half-baked goat. That doesn't make the meat uh, make you high, I guess. It's just hemp. I'll eat it. He'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it for science. <laughs> so that brings us to our main segment where we're going to talk about some the uh, last airbender. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> That's right. Well, this movie is based off of the Nickelodeon smash hit Avatar, the last airbender that has huge crowds of fans oh, yeah. all over the world. Uh, and this movie takes that and spits on all of it. Uh, <laughs> just in case you don't know anything about Avatar, it's a world where the elements themselves, air, earth, fire, and water, can be controlled and bent to the will of people. Uh, these people are called benders, and above them all is the Avatar, a single individual uh, that can control all of the elements. Uh, the Avatar is a birthright of sorts, and when they die, they reincarnate into another body, passing from one element's clan to another. So from Fire Nation to Water Nation, Water Nation to, I don't know. Earth, yeah. Earth, yeah, I don't know the exact order. <laughs> uh, well, about 100 years ago, the last airbender disappeared, the, the, uh, the Avatar that would be disappeared. And the Fire Nation struck up war and, like, subjugated everybody and wiped out and killed all the airbenders because they were supposed to be the next ones to get the Avatar. And fire bad. Fire bad. (laughs) Now we're 100 years after this happened, and uh, everyone's oppressed. We meet Katara and Soka, a novice waterbender and her brother from the Southern Water Tribe. They discover a boy in the ice. He breaks free and reveals himself to be Ong. He's the last airbender alive. Whoa. 
Well, this draws the attention of the Fire Nation who come looking for him. On Katara and Soka nearly escape on a giant flying bison. Uh, this for this part of the Fire Nation is led by Prince Zuko, a disgraced prince from the Fire Nation, looking to reclaim his glory as he hunts Ong and his companions. Ong is captured, but he escapes once they are uh, on the Fire Nation's like ship. They all do steamships. I thought that, that was kind of fun. Uh, yeah. They head to the Southern Air Temple, where Ong basically discovers that all of his people are dead. All mm. the Air Nomads are dead. Um, and that's when he decides that like, he has to follow his destiny and try to learn the other bending techniques and become the avatar. He's captured again by a different contingency of the fire nation, but then is freed by a masked figure who turns out to be Prince Zuko. Uh, Ong and the others continue to the Northern water tribe. So he can start learning his water bending. They take him and begin his training. Uh, but the fire nation is back with a vengeance and uh, Prince Zuko is racing the other part of the Fire Nation to try to capture Ong during their assault on this, this northern nation. Um, Zhao, a Fire Nation general, kills a fish that represents the spirit of the moon. <laughs> and as we all know, the moon is what gives water its power. We all know that. Yeah. And, uh, and it looks bad for the water for the waterbenders is the fire nation attacks. Uh, the princess that wasn't worth mentioning before this point gives her life to revive the fish water spirit. Ong drives back the fire nation forces with a wall of water. Um, and the ending stinger, the cliffhanger for a sequel that never was going to happen is the fire nation. Lord like unleashes Zuko's sister, who's supposedly crazy to go and finally bring Ong and his friends back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's the movie. I think I really got it. I think I got you it. Nailed it um, the part. So let's start with likes before we get to dislikes. Sure. Um, something I liked. This honestly had some decent acting. They really picked a few quality actors who tried to sell this piece of garbage we had to watch. That was my same watch. first like as well. Which, which actors are they, you thinking of? <laughs> uh, Dev Patel. Yep. Prince Zuko. Uh, Sh- Sean Tobe, who played his uncle. Uncle Iroh. He was great. And then Asif Mandi, uh, Mandvi. Asif Mandvi, who played Zhao, the other general. Like the Fire Nation guys were strong picks. I didn't think Zhao, he didn't, I didn't think he did a great job as Zhao acting wise, but. I can see what you see. I, I thought that I thought he really carried himself with like that gusto and lack of care and delivered his lines that were supposed to be slights and to push in like very, very strategically acted ways. And it, I, I appreciate it was it. a big move for him. Asif Manvi, because he was a correspondent on the daily show for a long time as comedic actor, comedic comedian. And this was like his first foray into drama. And he's kind of screwed himself over because it was this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and even lead actor Noah Ringer who had some issues really did have some well-acted moments. I thought the same thing. I thought I wrote him as well. And he knocked out the park as far as trying really hard to sell these lines and a first time actor. Like he did, I think a great job for what he was tasked to do. <laughs> um, and then I thought this had great visual design. All the tribes had distinct motifs and decorations and good matching costuming that really sold all these different places. 
And I think they did a really good job of creating the world. And they did a lot of on-site stuff with, with different ruins in the background and temples that were clearly real places. That's so weird because that's exactly and, my second point was that it, the, yeah. the production design was actually really good and very much resembled the show. Like the production design kind of nailed it. Like that wasn't one of the problems. And, and that might be why it was so good is because they're like, we're just going to take this and we're going to try to copy the show that's already done it. Yeah. Like maybe that's why that was so successful. Even the CG was pretty darn good. I thought in most parts. Yeah. For the few parts that it really came into play. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And then um, I did. So this leads into the dislikes. I did like the idea that someone had of visually and culturally identifying each nation as sort of a different group of Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. So like the earthbenders were from costuming and the looks that they gave them were, were like Japanese. The firebenders um, were Indian or Middle Eastern. Um, but they also, they also had, a lot of them were like Roman clothes. So that was a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, the waterbenders were kind of Inuit, which I don't even think is the right term anymore. Um, no, I think Inuit but is then the all right the term. Northern, es- then all the northern term. water, then all the northern waterbenders were just white. Well, that's um, the thing. If you looked at the rest of the, only the lead two characters from the waterbenders and their grandma were white. The rest of the tribe around them no, were if all, you, all Native American. Yeah, that's true. Right, right. But then once they got to the northern tribe, they were all white. Oh, yeah, basically. yeah. That's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> um, so I like that someone had an idea. And it kind of worked. I would say the Fire Nation, between the acting that we've both sort of agreed was the best in the film, and the visuals and their their costuming was like the most clearly realized. And it felt like everything else was was kind of bad. Yeah, they didn't get much time for the earth bending people to have much screen time to like get into their culture. They were much. just victims because that's, that's what the thing was they, they were victims. In the, even the TV show, that's uh, chapter two. Basically, is when he goes to get earth bending powers. And so that was me. The second movie, we'll spend a lot of time with them. We get a new character, Toph, from the show, who's really popular, who wasn't in the movie yet because it's supposed to be all in the sequel, which didn't happen. Um, but before no, we never, jump completely to dislikes, uh, I like yeah, Appa as well. I thought Appa was really cool, and and they also had the same actor um, because D, what's his name? Um, he plays all the crazy, any kind of crazy character with a weird. Uh, animal voice he's the voice actor that does it um and they kept not him. frank welker right he's a he's kind of like the next generation frank welker because frank Welker's super okay. old now but um yeah right. he, everything frank welker won't do they pull in d and he does everything else um but Oppa i thought was really well done and kind of cool but uh yeah but i wrote that too what's um, with all these white people uh <laughs> then that's something they're going to fix in the tv show coming up the live action tv show is it's all asian people with indian or brown people as well um, mixed in as well and it's all basically all asian so and indians are considered asian so they kind of have indian people and you know all, all these other asian cultures throughout the show which is kind of neat yeah and i once again they they almost got there and then it feels like someone made a series of bad decisions I said the Fire Nation was so well realized, and then like everything else just fell apart. Especially Deb Patel, Um, he was really good. The Prince Zuko, Deb Patel was good. His uncle, oh, I love his uncle too, uh, whose name I already forgot. Uncle Ira, Uh, Shantaub, Shantaub, he was great. So earnest um, and really brought a touch of class to the the movie. Uh, So dislikes, and I wrote like a whole paragraph here. So forgive me. (laughs) So. And this touches on everything we just talked about. While this is certainly not the first movie in history to whitewash. Right. 
But the fact that they were telling a story, such a huge portion um, of the story centers around uh, Asian visuals, Asian cultures, um, the garb, the costuming. And so for them to take such a huge chunk of the main cast and whitewash them. Pretty blatant. Was was just, it just hurt. It hurt to watch. Yep. Um, so it just, it just didn't make any sense. It felt insensitive just even watching it when I think they meant to make it feel diverse and they kind of got the opposite of that. Right. And if anything, I was okay with the fact that Ong was being played by a white kid because under that condition, all the other airbenders are dead. So he's the only white person we should have seen in the film. It would be okay if he was the only one. Yeah. <laughs> if he was the only white guy and then we see dead white guys in flashbacks, <laughs> that would have been okay. I would have been okay if he was white, if he was the only white guy. But then we had the problem of the only, the main, main hero is the only white person. <laughs> like that's also kind of problematic, I, know, I guess. But at least then they know. could have cast the rest appropriately that's in true. some way. Uh, <laughs> Um, so that's some of the problems, the writing, it was just really clunky. The yeah. lines just felt slapped together and forced, um, some big pacing issues. There were long drawn out moments that kind of took things too far, followed by them just breezing through huge chunks of story and exposition. Yeah. And I know like, they had to cut like after they freed, free the earth tribe. They're like, then we went and freed the rest of the earth tribe. So we get like a really half-assed montage. Yeah. <laughs> and I could see that um, whole pacing issues because apparently the studio had them cut out half an hour of the film just to make it cheaper to convert it to 3d before they released it. Um, yeah. Man. So there's half an hour missing of just exposition and scenes we probably needed and things that, I mean, not that we want to watch another half hour of this movie, but it did create problems. <laughs> um, and then that leads me back to the, I guess the, the back to the point we both talked about is that the earth banders really got the shaft. Yeah. From a screen time point of view, from a story impact perspective, they were the victims. They got rescued. But then when earth bending was the next thing he needed to, to like, no, they were like, all right, we're done with you. <laughs> yeah. You we'll see you in the next film. <laughs> that won't happen. <laughs> So um, a thing I had a problem with, too, is the fight scenes were actually pretty hard for uh, me to watch because they go. It's the airbenders have to do all these crazy forms, like almost like fast paced high chi before they can hew their power go off. And it's done much better in the cartoon because here it's like people are just waiting around for them to do these crazy forms before anything happens. And this guy, with the sword is just standing there almost in every fight scene waiting for him to finish his power move. It's like, just go up there and chop his head off. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, it just was filmed badly, I guess. So you, it feels like they're just taking forever to do these forms. And then if you watched anybody else that wasn't in the main area of the film, like people fighting in the background, it is bad. Like guys just standing there, so, guys just like swiping at nothing. Like it's just really bad. <laughs> uh, what were you um, say? So I've, I, I heard, I read a little thing about this, about why people theorize it, that it was so bad. Is that um, the idea is that these warriors, these benders were modeled in some ways after like samurai almost mm. who live by the Bushido code, which was like a strict moral code about how you approach combat mm -hmm. and also like social encounters. And so because of that, the 
it was supposed to be like in honor of them them allowing each other to complete their forms to truly demonstrate their full power, basically. <laughs> okay. And I read about that and I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense if everyone wasn't white. Yeah, <laughs> but then but then everyone was white. So, <laughs> and I really don't think the angry fire people are coming there and just like, well, let him finish his form, see what he does to me first. Okay, he's hit me this giant blast of air. Cool, cool. I could have seen that coming, but I I want to let him finish his form first. Right, right, right. it's like a respect thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let him kill me. It's all right. <laughs> and Man, then that film good. <laughs> a filmmaking thing that I didn't like was. I think probably because they had a like shoehorn in exposition was there be random moments of just um, narration voiceovers like, and then we did this thing like, well, where did this voice come from? And who is she talking to? Is this a journal entry? Like what yeah, is going on? Th- they did that thing with, with the, with the earth bender montage. She literally yep. had like a voiceover, like over the next couple of weeks, we freed multiple. <laughs> and then earthbender tribes. We arrived at the North water tribe and he, they trained him in, in all these arts. I'm like, you could just show us that. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, when she when he arrives finally in the North Waterbenders to be trained by the yeah. master, she gets there and then like as soon but, as he arrives and it shows like a little montage clip of him going up to the master and bowing and then showing off his his air powers. Meanwhile, she's just like he then walked up and he decided to get trained by the master and they trained him for like s- several weeks. So like <laughs> I was like, okay, why are we jumping into a narration here? Just show us this. Um, so that was took me out of things. It was very weird. And same for you. You said the writing was not naturally written. Like, so that's why it was so hard for these actors to say in a natural way. It was just bad dialogue. It was certainly jarring at times. Yeah. Yeah. So we get why it's pretty panned (laughs) universally. Well, German, I think you have a bit for us. Well, first I have some trivia. Oh, trivia. And then a bit. That's right. So. The creators of the show, the TV show, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, uh, they served as executive producers and were initially supportive of the film's production. However, both of them ended up being very unsatisfied with the finished product. Big surprise. Uh, in a podcast interview in 2014, Konetsko revealed that, A, we didn't want it, want it to be done at all. And before anyone was attached, we didn't want it. And then, B, if it was going to be done, we wanted to do it, but they weren't going to let us do it. And C... When they attached N. Night Shalomon, we just thought, well, this is what we've been dealt. We'll just offer to help when it's asked of us. And if it's not, we'll stay out of the way. And apparently in the beginning, oh it was a more positive experience and we they were offered to help. But then we had a big falling out, apparently, with Shalomon or the studio. They've even mentioned how they gave a lot of input that went nowhere as it all got pushed to the wayside. So they kind of were pushed out of the production eventually. Um, in the original show, Soka, the brother of the waterbender, is a comic relief character. He's really funny. However, no comedy comes from Soka at all in this movie, and he's pretty much a bland one-dimensional character in this whole thing. Um, this is funny for our British listeners. Listeners uh, In Britain, the word bender is a slang term for a male homosexual. <laughs> so lines in this movie such as, look out, he's a bender, <laughs> resulted in a lot of giggling in UK movie theaters, making it difficult for audiences to take the film seriously. <laughs> That's hilarious. Nice. Uh, This movie won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Picture. Uh, Avatar, the word, was removed from the title to avoid confusion with James Cameron's Avatar in 2009. Conversely, the animated series was originally titled simply Avatar, but Cameron had already copyrighted that title, so the last airbender had to be added to the TV show. Um, 
In spring of 2010, before the film's release, director M. Night Shyamalan was quoted by Entertainment Weekly as saying The Last Airbender was his best movie. <laughs> that was in 2010. But in 2019, wow. at a lecture in NYU Stern School of Business, M. Night Shyamalan publicly disowned his films The Last Airbender and After Earth, calling them junk movies. He added, I did a couple huge, big-budget CGI movies. There has always been this inex inexorable pull to join the group, a constant seduction in the form of whatever you wanted to um, whatever you want to tally in the form of money or safety, ease, not getting criticized. So he did these movies, and I rightfully got crushed because they said, you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in your own voice, and you don't believe in your values. He says, I felt really lost. It just didn't work. There's probably something Darwinian about all of this, is what he said. So that's a lot. Um, so eventually he learned to hate this movie himself. Uh, it's the most expensive movie ever produced by Nickelodeon movies with a budget of $150 million, an additional $130 million in advertising. And Noah wow. Ringer, who played uh, the Avatar, uh, he holds a black belt in Taekwondo, which is one of the reasons why he won the role of Aang after sending in a tape of himself doing martial arts with a shaved head. Just to get the part, and he got the part. And last nice. little bit here, uh, the film received excessive criticism for its casting of ethnically and racially inaccurate actors for the roles of characters inspired by Asian culture, leading to several whitewashing accusations. As Aang is a Buddhist character, while Katara and Sokka are based on Inuit, and Fire Nation characters like Zuko and Iroh are supposed to be Japanese. This criticism was countered by the filmmakers who pointed out how every nation in the film is multicultural with a mix of several races and ethnicities in each location, which is not true. Uh, they did not do mm, that. <laughs> mm. But anyways, now we have a game, uh, not necessarily related to this, but uh, just a fun little thing to do. It's called Synonymous Cinema. So, Synonymous Cinema. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, these are all movies that I'm going to give you that are in the top 100 highest grossing domestic films of all time. But I'm starting okay. at the bottom Grossing. of the list. All right. So these won't be the top Ooh, ones that everyone knows. Okay. Okay. Shit. So I'm going to give you a name and it's going to be synonyms for what the name of the movie is. You are a bunch of these like really old films? Like, am I fucked? You're not fucked. No. Most of them are pretty recent. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and not most of them, not all. Um, but I, I didn't do any that had names in them because that wouldn't work. So you'll know these movies don't have someone's name. Like Schindler's List is not on here because there's no synonym for a name, if that makes sense. Okay. You okay. got it? All right. So number one of our synonymous cinema. Mm -hmm. Favorable lads. <laughs> Favorable lads. Good boys? You're close. Thank Bad you. boy. No, that's not right. The Goodfellas. Goodfellas. You got it. That's right. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. You there we this. go. All right, two. The Positive Reputation. The Positive Reputation. So it's a little harder. The Prestige. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you got it. <laughs> okay, okay. Existence is Gorgeous. Life is beautiful. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Number four. Courageous soul. Braveheart. Mm. I got to make these harder next time. Uh, immigrant. Alien. You got it. 
Okay. <laughs> Number six, Annihilation presently. Apocalypse now. <laughs> yes. All right. Number seven, Trash Myth. Trash Myth. This is an unusual synonym. Synonym. I wonder if the uh, audience is getting it. I have nothing for this one. All right. That is Pulp Fiction. Trash is pulp. So apparently okay. pulp, it was a, it's as an adjective, it's something that's like trashy. Um, that was a little harder. Um, okay. Right, right. I think I went to noun trash. Yeah, that's true. Your mind okay, can go a different okay, direction. Okay. okay. Number eight, singular float above the fool's refuge. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's correct. <laughs> with a name, with a title that long. Yeah. yeah. It's long. Number nine, contemptible misbegotten sons. <laughs> so silly. Contemptible misbegotten sons. <laughs> I got nothing. That would be inglorious bastards. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, noiselessness of the cattle. Sounds the last. That's right. That was an easier one at the end. All right. So you all got right, right. eight out of ten. Eight correct. out of ten. That's <laughs> one of our best scores ever on any I of think these it games. Is. <laughs> that just shows that I need to make that much harder next time we do that. <laughs> all right. No, I like that. I like that. Yeah, Scared me there for a little bit. All right. That's where you some uh, radical recommends. Yeah. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. Well, on our last episode, we honored, uh, we did a rule of three Day of the Dead zombie movie review in honor of the debut of The Last of Us. And my radical recommend is The Last of Us on HBO. Nice. Um, I can confidently say that this is the best video adaptation, video game adaptation to live action ever. That's saying a lot. Well, maybe not that there haven't that been other successes. <laughs> Sonic was very, very successful. Both Sonics. There have been like, um, there have been animated uh, adaptations. True. From video games that are very good and very successful. But live action has been kind of a pit, a pit of despair. And The Last of Us shows that it can be done right. And can tell real character-driven stories in a post-apocalyptic world that carry weight and uh, and carry the narrative of the genre of video games. Um, the Last of Us, I only the first episode is out, and I'm already blown away. Just blown away. Did you play the game? Yes. Well, I played a chunk of the game. I never finished it. My issue with The Last of Us is that um, I don't do re- well with really thick control schemes. Mm-hmm. And The Last of Us had, in my opinion, one of the thickest control schemes I've ever tried to get through because there was a lot of stealthing and buttons that modified things. Ah. And I can, it takes, I just can't get used to that. I can't do it. If I had a mouse and keyboard, I might be able to. Yeah, um, that's why I was telling. So I did not complete like it, but not yeah. because it's bad, just because I was unable to get a handle on it. And a lot of fast paced combat once you get into combat because it's like, oh shit, you might die. So you got to really um, quick. <laughs> 
but I, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. If not, I highly recommend. If not, um, because even if you don't know the game, which Anna didn't, she Anna got like a really nice story surprise out of the show with like major impact because she wasn't aware. She didn't know the story. So it's proof that even if you haven't watched, you can get something from the show. That's what makes a good video game adaptation. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Radical recommend The Last of Us on HBO. More episodes to come. Check it out. I can't say enough good things. As many bad things as I said about Willow, I'm going to say <laughs> that many good things about The Last of Us. Willow was a bowl of shit. Everyone who worked on it deserves to burn in hell. And you were a big Willow fan before that, so that says a lot. <laughs> I am I am so mad it was that terrible. <laughs> well, I'm excited to watch The Last of Us. It's got our Mandalorian guy and the, the really snarky girl from Game of Pedro Thrones. Pedro Pascal. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, two Game of Thrones alums who both died like two of the most epic deaths in all of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to check it out for sure. All right, so that brings some... Uh, now let's check out trailer trailers. All right, so this week we're talking about the crazy-looking thing called Renfield. It is a movie about Dracula, but mostly about his uh, servant, Renfield. But the funny mm-hmm. part is, is Dracula is played by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> And Renfield played um, by the guy I think who played Beast in the X Men first did, class movies. He did play Beast. He's been he's been in a lot of movies. He's he has. also in uh, Mad Mad Max Fury Road. Oh yeah, yeah, the crazy uh, did, guy. Did yeah. Good in that. He's a good actor. Um, but it looks like a new take on something we know. Uh, I like the idea of Renfield being in like an emotional support group. Yeah, <laughs> from his abusive boss. <laughs> Um, it is weird. Something I've noticed in this trailer is they really softened her up. Uh, Aquafina is in this. Yeah. But she's clear, clearly being sold as a romantic lead. Which or, I thought was interesting. Like the, the romantic interest, which is not something she does often, not something that a studio has tried to do with her often. So I'll be interested to see if she can span, expand out into it. Yeah. And she's playing a character finally who's not super biting and sarcastic and like in your face. Like she seems more like, yeah, like you said, softened up, like. More of like a just a regular kind of ingenue kind of character, which is interesting. And it's just not typical for her. Yeah. So I'll be interested to to see. And also there's a new twist that Renfield, I guess whenever he eats spiders, he becomes super powered. That's like a power that Dracula has given him in order to overpower humans so that he can bring them back to his master. So he's able to like get superpowers to do kung fu and stuff, which is interesting. <laughs> a weird direction to go right. with this. Um but yeah, and you're right. There is like a superhero kind of angle being taken here, which is also interesting. Yeah, it's very comedic, which is nice. Um, so I'm going to give this one uh, one Raul Julia in a very serious vampire costume, getting doing deep character work by getting into a coffin and putting himself in the position. And then a Gary naked Garrett Busey <laughs> wearing nothing but the nothing but the cape. Barges into the room. He's like, hey, look, the sun's burning me. Ah! Have you been doing math again? Like, <laughs> I'm in my coffin. Come Please on. Leave me alone. The sun's burning me. Come on. Come on. Ah, let's go roll on this. Go roll outside. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a little more simplistic one. Uh, we got Gary Busey sitting watching this movie. And he's playing it really loud, 
And they're always roommates in my mind situations. So then Raul Julia comes in and says, what on earth are you watching? And he says, and he's like, look at this movie. He's got Nicolas Cage. And he's like, I'm not watching a Nicolas Cage film. Oh, wait, this looks slightly amusing. Pass the popcorn. <laughs> because it is. It looks kind of fun. I think they both enjoy it somehow. Uh, right. They both get something different out of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, when I eat spiders, I get magic powers, too. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. That's just the poison interacting with your blood, giving you hallucinations. I'll show you. Oh, don't again. No. Where'd you get these spiders um, from? <laughs> keep them in your drawer. Oh, damn it. Uh, um. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 164 of A Play on Nerds. Uh, join us again next time for an episode so special we don't even know what it is yet. Oh, my God. We haven't had one of those in a while. It's going to be so special. I know. We're flying by the seat of our pants, and I love it. Uh, come back for that episode and be our nerdy audience. We'll come on back and be your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?